You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at Jets games against Seattle and Vancouver, the fallout from Blake Wheeler's injury, plus what the Jets can learn from my trip to Vegas. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Good to be back and hope you guys enjoyed the weekend. And why wouldn't you again? What an unbelievable comeback by the Blue Bombers to win back-to-back Grey Cups. A sentence I did not think was possible for the first three decades of my life. But back-to-back champions, the Blue Bombers, get it done. One of the most dominant defensive teams in, I mean, CFL, but maybe pro football history gets their due with a championship. But what a game, and what an atmosphere as well out there in Hamilton. And I mention atmosphere because it kind of gives you the perfect segue into the opening segment here because the reason that I was off last week was that I was attending a business meeting for the company that I work for in Las Vegas. And I had the good fortune of getting the chance to see a hockey game in the Sin City. The bad luck was it was the Flyers playing the Golden Knights, but still, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And I was still extremely excited and curious just about the experience of watching a game in Vegas and what that was going to be like. And I got to say, it lives up to the hype. It was an absolute blast out there. And it starts before you even enter the arena because they've got music, a stage. It's a full-on party before you even walk into the game. And that was, you know, an hour and a half before the game got started. And then you have the pregame ceremony, which was the best part of the whole night for me, at least. And you might have seen what Vegas does when the Knights were in the playoffs. But you basically get a full-on Vegas mini-show before the players step onto the ice. I mean, the computer work, the lights, the music, all of that is just top-notch. The place is completely bumping before the anthems even get underway. I mean, a regular season game in Vegas honestly feels like a lot of playoff games I've seen elsewhere. And if you ever get the chance... You get the opportunity to see a game out there in Vegas where the Jets are playing anything like that. Just 100% take advantage of that because it really is a once-in-a-lifetime, a truly unique sports viewing experience. 
And it kind of led me to something that I've been thinking about a decent amount this season and, you know, last year and, and maybe a few years before that as well. But it, it stood out to me a bit more this season in particular. And that's just that the in-game atmosphere could be so much more here in Winnipeg and the game day experience can be taken to another level. And, and I'm not trying to, to crap on anybody that works with the team or anything like that. And, and look, I, I get there are certain things that only Vegas can get away with and only Vegas can pull off. I mean, I, I know that we're not going to have showgirls with those big shiny hats down the aisles at Jets games anytime soon. I, I don't know if people want to see that either. But being in the ring several times in Winnipeg this year, watching the games on TV this year, Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but to me, the building sounds like an absolute ghost town way too often. And I think when the Jets first came back, you know, just the hockey game was enough. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't really much need to get the fans fired up. There wasn't, uh, you know, a, a ton of necessity to, oh, here's some bells and whistles here and there, right? Because everyone was just so starved for NHL hockey that, Hey, put the game on the ice, you're going to get <laughs> what was a once-in-a-lifetime viewing experience. But I think the honeymoon phase from that is over now. And fans want a little more bang for their buck because they're spending a lot of money. And it doesn't even have to be this huge widespread change because the Jets, you know, their, their game day operations staff does a lot of good stuff. But... I mean, make the pregame ceremony a little more interesting to get the crowd jacked up. Like, so, again, not exactly what Vegas does, but something uniquely Winnipeg that the fans can get excited about. And then the building really starts to get going before the players even hit the ice, right? Modernize the music a little bit. I, I know it's, you know, different strokes for different folks and there's different age demographics there. But 80 social music had its time. It's not in 2021, so let's modernize that music a little bit. Add some pizzazz during breaks in play. I mean, and I kind of touched on it there, but just my main thing is make coming to watch a game in Winnipeg a uniquely Winnipeg experience, right? Like something that the fans can really get behind because that's what happens out there in Vegas. Vegas knows they're in the entertainment business. They make it a party. They make it a spectacle. They make it a show. I'm not saying necessarily Winnipeg needs to do that, but definitely take some cues from what is one of the best sports viewing performances you will ever see at any league at any level and bring some of that to Winnipeg. But just add your own style and your own flair to it. I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential because we all know, you know, the whiteouts, things like that, the playoff games, Jets, Predators. When the building here in Winnipeg gets going, there is very few places on earth that can match what we have here in Winnipeg, it would just be nice to see that brought out a lot more often, maybe even as much as every single regular season game, because having that kind of atmosphere, I mean, hey, it's great from a fan perspective, it's great from a business perspective, but you know what? <laughs> it makes Winnipeg a tough place to play, and the Jets used to have that. I don't know if Winnipeg is as tough to play in as it used to be, but either way, let me know. I would love to know what you guys think about this. Hit me up on Twitter. What you think of the in-game experience at Jets games now? Is it good enough? Are you happy with what you get for your money? Would you like to see change? What would you like to see change 
Hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiggy. I would love to know what you guys think. Really curious. I know people have spoken up about this issue before, but I would love to know specifically what Jets fans think about this, or maybe if I have a, a case of the Vegas fever. I, I don't know. Maybe I mean a bit too hard, but it's just I, I saw the game out there. It was such a blast. Would love to see something similar with the Winnipeg spin. Put that on here with the Jets games, and it would just make the place a little bit more fun each and every night. But we'll go from one expansion team to another here. Let's go back to last week. A couple of Jets games since we last spoke. One against the Seattle Kraken before heading out to face the Canucks in Vancouver. We'll break down what happened in those games before we get to some major, major injury news for the team as well and how they're going to deal with that. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And again, the same deal that's been too good to be true is rolling around before, just before the holiday season gets into full swing. A reminder, new customers who bet just $1 on any NFL team to score can win $100 in free bets. So, I mean, it's really the deal of the season. But if Sportsbook is not available in your state from DraftKings just yet, Remember, huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so the back-to-back last week got off to a good start at least from the Jets. Facing off against the Kraken for the first time in franchise history. And all in all, I thought it was a pretty damn good performance by the Jets. I thought they looked pretty good. And this was against a Kraken team that is much better than their record shows. I I know people have thrown out, oh, this is a typical expansion team, yada, yada, yada. But I I mean, Seattle's been tough to play against. They've just been sunk by league where's goaltending all season long. Outside of that, Seattle's been pretty solid at both ends of the ring. You know, maybe struggling to score a little bit offensively, but they're a difficult team to generate a ton of chances against. The Jets were able to do that in this game. I mean, you had, along with the goals, a couple of posts, some breakaways from Nikolai Ehlers, right? I mean, a really good offensive performance all around. Probably could have had four or five goals. And it was backstopped by another stellar Connor Hellebuck outing. His first shout of the year, surprisingly. But Helly looked great in this one. He wasn't even the best Connor, though, because on top of that, Cal Connor, again, remains ridiculous this season. I mean, you could make the case that he's the second best winger in hockey right now outside of Alex Ovechkin. Or he's having the best season outside of Alex Ovechkin as a winger in the NHL right now. I mean, he has been that good. It's not news to anybody here in Winnipeg. But there's some damn good wingers in the NHL, right? I mean, you have Kaprizov and Panarin just behind him in the scoring race. Brad Marchand is kind of the jack-of-all-trades, right? The guy that brings the offense and the defense. Mark Stone does as well. 
But Kyle Connor's offensive game has just transcended to a different level. I mean, we'll get into what he did against Vancouver on top of the Seattle performance as well. But Kyle Connor is really outperforming some of his defensive limitations. And it's really saying something because he's been pretty poor defensively over the past couple of years that his offensive game has taken such a leap that he is among the more valuable forwards in the entire league. It's just, it's something I, a lot of people thought that he had in him. I didn't know he was ever going to be this good though, right? Like we're talking right now about a potential MVP candidate, potential first team all-star and a guy that, you know, maybe could be the, the Jets first 100 point guy. I just, I thought he'd be, you know, I thought Kyle Connor could be a 40-40 guy, which is a, a hell of a feat. There's not too many guys in the NHL that come even close to touching that. And the fact that Kyle Connor is looking at goals that are much higher, targets that are way ahead of just a simple 40-40 in a point of game season. He has no doubt about it been one of the best players in the NHL this year, one of the best forwards. And I think maybe a little more respect needs to be thrown his way because, you know, outside of Pierre-Luc Dubois' extremely hot start to the season, which may be buoyed by Cal Connor, you know, the, the Jets' big offensive guns haven't been firing for most of the year. Cal Connor has been a huge driver of the Winnipeg Jets' offense, and he had himself just an unbelievable stretch of games there, starting with a two-goal performance against the Seattle Kraken. A couple other notes I wanted to get to from that game actually don't really involve anybody that plays with the team anymore. But a couple of former Jets on Seattle right now, and speaking of players that I was wrong about, you know, and I was a little wrong about Kyle Connor. I just didn't know if the offensive ceiling was going to be as high as it appears to be. But just watching the game, watching his past couple of seasons, I don't know if, I, I would, hey, I would love to know your worst hockey take. I think one of mine, no doubt about it, has to be that I did not think Brandon Tanev was an NHL player after his rookie year. And just to see how far he's come, how much work he's put in over that span to become not only a legitimate NHLer, but an actual impact piece. Like, he's not going to be a top-line guy, but, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, worst-case scenario, Brandon Tanev's a good third-line player. Might even be able to play on your second line here and there. And I just, after watching him in his rookie season, I just didn't see the skills. I just didn't think that he was going to be good enough with the puck on his stick, you know, to to back up what he has intangible-wise, grit-wise, his speed, his tenacity, all that stuff. But, I mean, he's a heck of a player. I, I really do enjoy watching Brandon Tanev. Maybe it wasn't his best game against his forward team, but there's no doubt about it that I a complete whiff on my part on Brandon Tanev, and good to see that he's kind of become almost a cult hero in Seattle already, right? Like, he is one of the no-doubt-about-it fan favorites for the Kraken. He's not going anywhere anytime soon, even if there is an expansion team coming around. Even with the contract, I, I think Brandon Tanev's been worth the money, and, and Seattle's more than happy to keep him. I, I wonder if the same can be said, though, about Mason Appleton. It's just been a, a really... Weird start to his cracking career so far. And I thought he had a pretty good game as well going up against his forward team for the first time. Probably should have had a goal in the night, but, you know, whipped on his one big chance in front of Connor Hellebuck. But, you know, started the season 
lower in the lineup than a lot of people expected. The points are starting to come around a little bit right now. The time on ice for him has fluctuated. He got, you know, 20 minutes a few games ago, but kind of been hovering around 12, 13 minutes for the majority of the season. I I just wonder. I, I don't know how likely this is. This is just pure speculation on my part. But I wouldn't mind seeing the Winnipeg Jets pick up another forward or two heading into a potential playoff push. I would just keep my eyes on Mason Appleton in Seattle. Just You know what I mean? Like, just check the ice time, see how he's doing, if the point production is there, if it isn't there. You know, I, again, I know as a Flyers fan in the past, watching a Dave Haxall coach team, if you're in his doghouse, you're not getting out of it pretty much no matter what you do. And so I, I just wonder if, you know, Mason Appleton's production at nice time kind of tapers off a little bit. You know, maybe it could be a target for the Winnipeg Jets. I, I think he's a, a really, really good support piece. And you know what? If the price is cheap, I, for one, would not mind a Mason Appleton return to Winnipeg. That would be pretty high up on my wish list, you know, to have a guy in his mid-20s that we know can be an impact player for you on the third line. So just something to keep an eye on there. But he popped a little bit in this game against the Jets, but it's been a bit of a tough go his first season out there in Seattle. Would love, though, would love, love, love to see Mason Appleton reunite and add a little bit of spark to Adam Lowry's line for the Jets. But that'll do it for the Kraken game. And unfortunately, we got to go to the Vancouver game now. A lot of negativity in this one. I mean, again, the one shred of positive, Kyle Connor is out of his mind. He's out of his damn mind. I mean, that play on Mark Scheifele's goal, <laughs> poor Tyler Myers. It looked like he was just trying to stay upright, let alone, you know, defend him on the rush there. But, I mean, the blazing speed, the quick agility to make that stop, turn around, and then the hockey sense and awareness to make that pass cross ice to Mark Scheifele, it was just stupid. And you know what? I don't. I don't know how many defensemen could have defended that one. To be totally fair to Tyler Myers, but watching Kyle Connor on that play specifically, I mean, that to me encapsulates the growth in his game. Maybe a year or two ago, he would have just tried to drive that one to the net, get a shot off. It's not a bad play, right? But instead, you know, having the awareness and the skill to make a pass at a play like that—that—that's that, why he's been, you know, top five and scored in the NHL pretty much all season long. But like I mentioned, the positives pretty much ended there for me. I thought it was a really, really poor effort inside the Winnipeg Jets' half of the ice. And, you know, maybe maybe it starts with Eric Comrie, who no doubt about it should have had the second Niels Hoglander goal. You can make the case that, you know, might have liked another one back as well. A little bit of the shine has kind of worn off Eric Comrie's hot start to the season. Panic? I don't know just yet, but, you know, maybe it's starting to hover a little bit back towards that line. We'll just keep an eye on that moving forward. I'm not going to be shocked whatsoever to see Connor Hellebuck get a a ton of games in a row here, but not the best performance by Eric Comrie, no doubt about that one. The Hoglander goal, again, the big one, that's just an automatic. You got to stop that one, and, and he would say that as well. But Comrie wasn't great. The defense in front of him might have been even worse. And unfortunately, it's some of the same culprits time and time again. And I know there's a ton of frustration from Jets Nation, nice rhyme, on how certain members of this team have played inside their own end. And you know what? Hey, again, I mentioned it. Cal Connor's offensive performance this year is transcending some of the stuff he gives back in his own end of the ice. But I'll say this about Cal Connor. A lot of the times it isn't necessarily effort-based with him. 
right? Like, he makes some poor reads, doesn't get the puck out sometimes, loses board battles, things like that. But I don't think it's necessarily a lack of trying from him. It's just that, you know, he just might not be a good defensive player. But watching Mark Shifley on some of these plays again, it is... I don't know what the coaching staff has to do to try to drill it through to Mark Shifley that you got to give more. It's just, and, and that's what's frustrating now. I thought, you know, maybe a few years back, Mark Shifley is kind of what Kyle Connor is right now, where, you know what, he's, he's trying out there, but sometimes you just need to make a few better reads and, and you could just be average defensively. But he, there's just a lot of these plays are just flat out a lack of want. Just not trying. He's not trying at the same level as when he gets the puck on his stick and he makes magic happen in the offensive end. I mean, the Niels Hoglander, the, the first goal, great play, great skill by Hoglander there. But you need better effort from Shifley. You need better positioning. You got to make a move, right? Like just kind of standing there aimlessly in the middle of the ice and then a weak stick wave as Hoglander dances right through you. It's, it's just not good enough. And it's plays like that are, that are just really frustrating to watch because if, you know, the fans can see it, you know, the coaching staff sees it. So add a little more accountability to Mark Shifley here. If he's going to play like that down the middle, you know, and be a number one center and everything that goes along with it, you got to be held to a bit of a higher standard. And it, it's plays like that that just really bothered me. And there were a few more, I mean, from, from Shifley again in that game, not back-checking. Not skating hard enough, but there were a number of other players that were guilty of that as well. It just was a really, and I know it was a back-to-back and all that. Again, not sounding the alarm bells or anything, but it was just frustrating coming, you know, on the second end of a back-to-back, which is tough, but coming off that game against Seattle when the team, yeah, gave up a couple chances, but for the most part, limited Seattle to the perimeter Kept some of those dangerous chances to a minimum. And then when they did get through, Connor Hellebuck was great. It was the exact opposite against Vancouver. Ton of chances. The goaltending wasn't good on top of it. And when you look at the standings right now, there there really is no wiggle room. Like, there's no margin of error for the Winnipeg Jets right now. Because you look at the standings, and it's, it's tight. And they're in a really, really scary position because the Central has been so good over the past several weeks, right? Like, you're four points away from second and third. Colorado's three points ahead with two games in hand, and they are boat racing teams right now. So I think you can kind of push catching Colorado as as an objective that's not going to happen. And Dallas is three points back with a pair of games in hand as well, and that's just for fifth in the division. Never mind looking out west to a Pacific that's all of a sudden much more competitive than a lot of us would ever expect to have happened this year. So games like the one against Vancouver, yes, they happen, but, you know, the Jets didn't have a great month of November. Thankfully, Buffalo comes to town Tuesday, but they got to find a way to string more games in a row that looked like the Seattle one because you have a couple more like the Vancouver one at a season that really looked like it had so much promise and still might by the time we get to April it might slip out of their grasp quicker than a lot of us would have anticipated. So a bit of a bummer the way things ended there. But, you know, having said that as well, all in all, three points out of four in a back-to-back, that's not that's not the worst position to be in, especially after you have a bit of a clunker against the Vancouver Canucks. The big bummer, though, is the fact that you don't get the win, but you suffer a loss in the forward groups. 
and we don't know the severity just yet, other than that Blake Wheeler is going to be out weeks, according to Paul Maurice, with a lower body injury, looked like a knee injury, kind of falling awkwardly with a bunch of other players, Nathan Beaulieu there in that game against the Vancouver Canucks. So the Jets will be without Blake Wheeler, I mean, at least until the new year. I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll find out a little bit later, but, you know, when there's a ton of swelling that's going on before, that, that needs to subside before tests can even be done further. That's a really scary position that, you know, Blake Wheeler finds himself in going into the second half of the season. So, I mean, what does that mean for the Winnipeg Jets going forward? I, you know, the first thing I would say, and we got to give some credit where, where credit's due, but the crappy part is it, it comes when the captain's played his best hockey of the season. And, and yes, he scored the goal. That, that kind of got the big headlines against the Canucks. Finally, the first goal of the season. But that capped off, I mean, what, five, six, seven strong games in a row from Blake Wheeler? I think he has 10 points, had 10 points in his last five games. I mean, he had really looked like, okay, he's starting to round into form again. A slow start like last year in the rear view. And now you get, you know, not the same Blake Wheeler from five years ago, but still an impactful player in your top six. And now that's out the window. So it's just really, really crappy timing that Blake Wheeler looked to have found his game. And now he's going to be on the shelf for the foreseeable future. But what does it mean for the club, you know, in the here and now? Moving forward, how do the lines shake up, everything like that? Well, we saw it at practice, kind of what we all anticipated, and not really a whole lot of change. Again, you have Shifley, Connor, and Kopp, followed by Dubois, Ehlers, and Estazny, Lowry, Harkins, and Veselainen. And, I mean, this is another kind of a, a bugaboo about Wheeler's injury, but, you know, with the cap space being tight, now with a COVID test with the Moose, doesn't look like they're going to be able to call up a forward against Buffalo Tuesday night. So 11 forward 7D, you know how much I hate that, but the Jets don't really have a choice. They got to go with that in this situation here. It, it's probably going to be okay. Let's hope it's okay against Buffalo, but you would like to have a full set of forwards going through what looks to be a really difficult stretch of hockey after that. As far as the lines go, I, I don't mind the makeup of them, the composition of them. You know, I'll bang the drum again, though. When you talk about whether you call it the first or the second line, to me, Mark Shifley needs to get kicked out to the wing. Especially after that performance against Vancouver. To me, that's worthy. If you want to call it a demotion or a position change, I, I don't really care. But to me, that's impetus enough to make the move. And I'll, I'll make the case very briefly again, because we talked about it pretty recently here. But... I just don't see the downside in this. You'll lose the defensive issues that Mark Shafley has down the middle by pushing him out to the wing. Andrew Kopp is, you know, we all know, a very, very strong player inside his own half of the ice at any position. Plus, you still get the offensive brilliance from Mark Shafley out there on the wing. I, I just don't really see the downside into this whatsoever. I think it's the move that needs to be made. On top of that, you can play Shifley and Connor against the other team's top line and not worry, you know, assuming you don't worry about getting caved in because you have a guy like Andrew Kopp to help push play the other way and, and bring you support inside your defensive end. I, I wonder what it's going to take for Paul Maurice to make a move like that. I, I, maybe it, it just it never happens this year. But it's a simple move. 
You could word it, you know, if you're the coaching staff to Mark Shifley that it doesn't sound like a demotion. You could point to Steven Stamkos doing the same thing with Tampa Bay and watching them win a couple Stanley Cups. I, I just think that that's the best. When you're talking about line combinations, when you're talking about maximizing what you have up front, uh, unless Mark Shifley gives you more effort defensively, push him out there to the wing. That's going to get minimized, and Andrew Cobb can do the heavy lifting. So we'll, we'll see. We'll just kind of monitor that and, and see if there's a breaking point at any time in the near future. Other than that, though, I, I think the lineup still looks good. Love having Dubois and Ehlers continue to skate together there. And at the very least, you kind of get the chance to, to work into it against, I don't want to say the free spot of the bingo card because that might, I mean, it might be the Coyotes, but we know how that went a few weeks ago. But it's coming against a team of the Buffalo Sabres, the Jets should and likely will beat. So at the very least, you know, maybe an opportunity for experimentation in this one. Be very intrigued to see how the power play looks as well. I mean, that's going to be the biggest change out of all this is the fact that, you know, you have a different quarterback up front of the power play. And I'll, I'll be very intrigued to see if, you know, the primary puck Henley duties are going to be given to Mark Shifley or to Kyle Connor. Do we see them, you know, flip-flop sides? You have the dueling one-timers. It's going to be a new wrinkle. It might take some time for it to gel, but really, really intrigued to see how all that works. And again, you could probably make the case that top five in league scoring right now, Kyle Connor should be the one handling the puck the majority of the time on the power play as well moving forward. But we'll keep an eye on that again when they take on the Buffalo Sabres Tuesday. And then after that, like I mentioned, the schedule strengthens up considerably. Washington coming to town on a Friday and then a divisional battle. Two division, nope, three divisional, nope, four divisional, five in a row. That's right through the central and the first four all playoff teams. So you know what? This game against Buffalo actually holds a decent amount of uh, of importance because you drop this one. Oh boy, points are going to be hard to come by before 2022 rolls around the corner. But we'll get to that when we're back in our next episode on Friday, breaking down the Sabres game, getting ready for the Friday matchup against the St. Louis Blues and whatever else happens in the hockey world as well during that time. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. We'll see you guys on Friday. Peace.